Have you ever asked yourself why we see Jesus praying so regularly regularly throughout the scriptures? Just here in Luke, in chapter 9, we see two different moments where we find Jesus in deep prayer. Just above where we started this morning in verse 18 and again here in verses 28 and following. Now Jesus praying to me is um, encouraging. Uh, for see, he, he is not just praying by example. He, he, he prays and for me it is a signal that he needs to be in contact and communion with the divine as much as you or me. Contrary to those who hold to the premise that Jesus was born fully conscious and aware that he was the Messiah when he stepped out of Mary's womb, I believe that Jesus, like the rest of us, evolved and grew into fully owning his identity as the Messiah. Certainly now, his mother must have told him about the prophecy that the angel pronounced about his coming. No doubt he felt a sense of purpose and affirmation at his baptism when the heavens opened up and the dove descended. Things must have begun to add up for him after each healing of a sick body or after every exorcism, after walking on water or turning water into wine and feeding thousands of people when it appeared that there wasn't enough provision for everyone. Nevertheless, it is clear to me that Jesus wasn't always so sure of himself. And there is evidence, once again, of of this um, uh, possibility in this very chapter, just prior to the passage that I read for your hearing this morning again in verse 18. He is praying again, and while he is praying, he asks his disciples, and you have heard him ask this question before. He says, who is it that the crowds say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And not surprisingly, the always eager Peter pipes up saying, you are the Messiah of God. Now, Reverend Lynn, you're a teacher, right? We may have some other teachers here in the congregation this morning with us. And so you might interpret Jesus's questions and query here as merely a teacher that tests the the students or the disciples to see if they're paying attention, to, to see if they truly are understanding and internalizing what has been modeled and conveyed to them. I would contend otherwise, that 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 Jesus was still growing in his awareness and the full ownership of who he was as the Messiah that every step toward Jerusalem, every step toward Golgotha, toward the grave and his eventual resurrection, was like us and for us a step of faith. Now, I think you can tell looking at my clothes and looking at my skin that I'm a man of African descent. 
And I come from a people who have struggled, a beautiful struggle. And, and coming from this kind of people, born of struggle and overcoming, I need a Jesus that is not so unspoiled and as immaculate as what is always or typically presented to us. I need a Jesus who doesn't always have all the answers, who doesn't always get it right, who isn't always clear on what the next step should be. Coming from a people of struggling and overcoming, I need a Jesus who gets frustrated with trifle, who every now and then cusses, you ruthless brood of vipers, who likes the party every now and then, who yearns for companionship, who experiences and expresses what Cornell West calls the funkiness. And the struggle of life, who experiences fear and uncertainty, who isn't always so sure of himself, and who craves the space of prayer just like you and me as a way to experience a deeper connection with the divine. I would also contend with you this morning that Jesus, like so many of us, when we are faced with a God assignment that seems to be larger than what we feel we can handle, feels a sense of uncertainty and anxiety as he grows in awareness about who he is, about his purpose, about the full weight of the work that he had yet to accomplish on the way to the terror and the humiliation of the cross, Rome's lynching tree, and on the way to the glory of the resurrection. Uncertainty. Anxiety questioning purpose about what to do when the moment seems to call for struggle and sacrifice, even the ultimate sacrifice. Now, I don't know about you, but I have rarely felt so uncertain, so unsteady, so unsure as I do now in these days. For myself, for my family, for my community, for this country, and this world. Perhaps the litany of concerns and anxieties is as long for you as it is for me. The earth that God has given us is burning, literally. Whole species of animals are becoming extinct seemingly every day. Nations are becoming more closed and nationalistic. The question as to whether or not black lives or trans lives or Muslim lives or immigrants' lives or women's lives, we are still asking that question today. The lines between humans and machines is as blurry as it has ever been. And our so-called democracy here in these yet-to-be United States appears to be a demonocracy fixated on fake news, claiming lies as truth. We seem bent on walls that separate us rather than bridges that, that connect us. Wealth is too concentrated in the hands of few and fewer, and many of our so-called leaders have justified in their right or unrighteous minds the denial of access to basic quality of life service, services such as health care. We have a criminal injustice system that literally targets black and brown people. And we somehow, somehow 
have elected a narcissistic, madman, Herod-like figure who uses social media to govern, who fans the flames of hate and engages in the kind of bluster and brinksmanship that could easily push the planet to a third world war while turning this nation into a fascist state. Come on, talk to me, sister. In the words of that old hip-hop group, Grandmaster Flash, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep from going under. Nevertheless, each one of us as children of God, as people of the way, have been called, predestined, foreordained, that's a nod to Calvin, to confront and stand against these powers and principalities that threaten to destroy us. Thankfully, everybody say thankfully. thankfully. Yes, you are not the frozen chosen, or chosen frozen, however you go. Thankfully, people are paying more attention. Or as they say, people are woke. Millions of people are taking to the streets. Many of us who perhaps took our days for granted are engaged in ways that we have never seen before or haven't seen in a long time. Let me call them out in case you forgot. Occupy, immigrants' rights, the marriage equality and the broader LGBTQ movement, Black Lives Matter, the climate movement, the women's and reproductive justice movements, indivisible, and others that are too many to name are all in motion, finding ways to collaborate, finding ways to fight back, to push this country to finally be its best collective self. People of faith and clergy like Sister Simone, Tracy Blackman, William Barber, and even your own from the Presbyterian Church, Jimmy Hawkins, are leading and inspiring masses of people in the effort to disrupt the oppressive machinery that continues to crucify our people and limit our possibilities. No doubt, we are in a fight for the very soul of the nation. Indeed, it is a struggle. And our response has been beautiful. And yet, the way forward seems uncertain. Questions remain. Will we have the courage and the stamina to continue to fight together? Do we have it in us? Will the enemies of the best parts of our humanity exploit the lines that have so long divided us to disrupt this moment when a movement of Jaws people, as Bob Marley would say, seems to be afoot? Did God really raise me up? Did God really raise you up? Did God really raise us up for a time such as this? Who, Chevy Chase, do people say that you are? Who do people say that we are? Well, goodness gracious, we are not left to figure this out.
and to achieve the greatness that God has called us to by ourselves. We must be as energetic and intentional and courageous and creative in uh, prayer as we are in our fights in the streets. As a matter of fact, prayer has to be an essential part of our fight. As Jesus is praying here in verses 28 through 36, we do not know the content of his prayer. But there are cues that seem to suggest that he is engaged in a specific kind of prayer. I would suggest to you this morning that it is a prayer of invocation. One that doesn't just invite the presence and the power of God, but that also conjures up his own sense of power and possibilities and capacity along with the spirit and the presence of the ancestors from whom he would seek practical counsel, direction, and encouragement. In the space of this kind of prayer and presence, the scriptures say that Jesus' face began to change. Mark's and Matthew's account adds to this, saying that his face shone like the sun and that his clothes and appearance were dazzling white in a way that no one on earth could bleach them. Now, I don't know how bleach showed up in the text since bleach wasn't in the, around in the New Testament years, but it says bleach in the Bible. And it's almost as if he was filled, saturated even from the inside out with a brilliant and marvelous light. At Covenant UCC, where I am on staff and soon to be ordained, um, we practice this kind of ritual regularly. We derive it from African traditional societies and cultural practices. It has often been vilified by westernized Christianity and characterized as ancestor worship. But note here in the text that Jesus, who arguably is an African himself and who certainly was influenced by African culture and religion. I know, I know, that's another sermon. Maybe you'll have me back. We'll talk about that. That he isn't worshiping Elijah and Moses here. No, he seems to be in community and consultation with them. Both who in their own time and in their own way responded to God's call. Who struggled, who fell short in moments. Both who had questions about whether or not they had what it took to rise to the occasion before them. But who stood tall and overcame in the face of seeming insurmountable. Invoking the spirit of our ancestors as Jesus does here in his conjuring prayer isn't just a traditional ritual. It is scriptural as well. We see it here with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Every time, oh, let me get my microphone here, every time, the Bible invokes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whoa! Let there be light, 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 light. Every time the Bible
Anybody ever done the ritual of libations? Libations is a West African tradition where literally we call on the names of our ancestors as a way to give counsel, as a way to give direction, as a way to give hope and inspire and challenge and chastise us for the work that is before us. And the way it works is that um, we call the names as we pour water. Water representing the spirit being poured into the soil, which is the earth, which is us, right? We come from the earth that gives life for the work that we have to do together. And uh, we call on the names of sheroes and heroes who came before us, who we admire, who represent the best of our humanity. Now, let's be clear. My ancestors and your ancestors may have in moments been in contention with each other and may have been in solidarity with each other. But we do this in the name of the God who is able. We do this knowing that all things work together for good for, the, for those who love God who are, and who are called to God's purpose. And so I want to invite you this morning into the space to call on our ancestors in these pressing and trying times. Yes, the power and the presence of God is with us, and we invoke that consistently. Yes, the power and the presence of Jesus, who, by the way, is our great ancestor, is with us. But there are other folks, mothers and fathers and grandmamas and granddaddies and play cousins and folks who we don't, do not even know, who made a way out of no way, who are right here in our midst waiting to cheer us on, waiting to move us, waiting to inspire us, waiting to encourage us and intercede on our behalf so that we are equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. And so um, this is how it works. I will say a name to model. And then I will pour the water, and then you will respond with the word ashe. Say that with me, ashe. Right. This is a Yoruba word, which means it is so. Um, it, it could mean amen. It's a word of affirmation. If I was, like, down on, like, on, in southeast where our church is, it might mean that's what I'm talking about. That's what's up. Yo, that's, what I'm, that's what's happening, right? It's a word of affirmation, right? And so... Um, I will model, and then the eldest woman in the room, the eldest woman in the room has the honor and the privilege of calling the first name. Now, in the Western American context, everybody starts hiding when you start talking about the oldest person in the room. But in many traditions, the eldest woman is the place, the most uh, esteemed place of honor in the community because women bring forth life, Right? And elders, elders um, denote wisdom, right? So life and wisdom together. So I will model, and then we'll pause, we'll wait for the for eldest woman to call the name, and then we'll have everybody, I want you to be thinking about ancestors who you admire. We're going to usher them into the room with us this morning as we close. As we pour this libation we call into the room for strength and guidance, Mother Harriet Tubman. So I will pour and you will say, I shake.
now the eldest sister in the room will lead us off. Yes. They're looking around. They're testing. They're testing. Okay, they say it's Lucy. Do you have an ancestor that you'd like to call on with us this morning? Someone who you're grateful for? Could be a family member, somebody from history. What's his name? Oh, yes. Can we call Sam's name? Ooh, she just moved her lips so beautifully. Sam Kecker, can everybody say Ashe? Yes. Okay, now just call him out. Come on. Don't be scared. Come on. Ashe. 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 Ashe for strength and guidance. Ashe. 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 Mahatma Gandhi, Ashe, Mother Teresa, Ashe, Ashe. With this, this last poor. Well, she's not an ancestor yet, but we're going to pour one for her. Ashe, I hope not at least. With this last pour. We pour in the name of the faceless and nameless wonders. Folks um, who we cannot see with our eyes, but who we can discern with our spirit. Folks who made a way out of no way. Who did so much more with so much less. And whose lights have shined in the darkness. So much so that the darkness could not, will not, shall not overcome it. Ashe. Repeat after me. Ashe. Asheo.